Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free. I love how you experiment every week with how you say it. Sometimes it throws you off. It does. It throws you off so frequently. Spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read. Throwing me off is what you're trying to do. No. What did we read, you snurt? We read... Ah, threw you off. You're not even sure. We read the first Lady Julia Gray novel. Silent in the Grave. Thank you, because I was Mm -hmm. like, huh. I've never actually thought of what the title is. They're all called something to do with, like, a noise and a place. (laughs) It's like, run, screaming on the moors. Do you remember when Deanna Rayburn did that one about noises and places? What was her Noises and Places series called? Silence in the Grave by Deanna Rayburn. This is the first in the Lady Julia Gray series, of which there are quite a few. Great. Like, maybe eight? We're not doing the whole series. We're just doing this one. We're doing just the first novel. It is. And Kimberly is going to give us a spoiler-free recap. Good Lord. So, when are we set, Amy? We're set in the late Victorian, so like the 1880s, 90s. Delightful. We meet Julia Gray as her husband is having a seizure fit at a party and quite quickly afterward, dies. He had been sickly for a really long time. They were friends growing up. Um, Their estates abutted one another, and they're both obviously members of the aristocracy. And there is a man whose name is Nicholas Brisbane. I just read it as Brisbane. I read it as... Are you saying it poshly because... That's how... They they were explicit about how you say it. They were in the book. Well, it was in there. I just read him as Brisbane. I read it as Brisbane too. But then I couldn't help it. And when she was like, Brisbane, I was like, Brisbane. And then it got out of control in my yeah, head. So right. I was reverting back to what the author had said it was. But anyway, Brisbane. Sir Nicholas. Sir Nicholas. So he was there and she'd never met him before, but he kind of took over and was all up in her grill. So husband dies. They do the funeral. It's fine. No one kind of expected him to live very long because his family. Sickly. Well, his family has a long history of, like, a heart illness, so there'd be some kind of hereditary heart Sickliness. Sickliness. They don't make old bones. And a little while after, so not long after the death, Nicholas comes to... It's like a week. It's really quick. Nicholas comes to see her and says, I was engaged by your husband because he thought someone was trying to kill him and huzzah, he died. So, murder. Murder most foul. You should do something about it. Righty rah. Anyway, she was like, you're rude. This is offensive. I don't believe you. You can't offer any proof. He said that her husband was getting sent sort of like poison pen letters. And she was like, great, show me one. And he was like, oh, I don't have any of them. And she's like, well, where are they? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, I don't believe you, sir. Get out. Go, go, go. And he's like... If you were a man, I'd call you out. And she was like, well, you're a poo-poo head. And anyway, whatever. They both make fools of themselves and go their separate ways. A year passes. So Julia's family, she is one of the marchers, and they have a very long history of being eccentric and a bit nuts. A big family as well. They're a huge family, and they're always a bit nuts. And her mother died in childbirth, having her youngest brother. So they had, like, just – they have many, many siblings – she kind of has always rebelled against and rejected this idea that March family members are always a bit eccentric and a bit nuts. Yeah, so she's rebelled so by she's being rebelled conservative. By being the most, she just wants a normal, conservative, normal, normal, totally beige life, which is kind of the marriage she had. She wasn't particularly in love with her husband, and he kind of just ran their life, and she just let him have whatever she wanted, whatever he wanted, because. 
that was the easiest way forward. He didn't get an assault. He didn't get angry. It was all better if you just let him have what he wanted. But as a result, over kind of the the years of their marriage, she just had lost a lot of herself. So when he is now dead, she kind of is a bit at a loss and doesn't know who she is. Well beige. So her sister, Portia, who is a bit eccentric, helps her to come out of her shell and kind of discover herself. And she does that over kind of the year that she is in mourning for her husband. So as that year is coming to a close, she is cleaning out his study and finds one of the poison pen letters. And once she finds it, she's pretty convinced that everything Nicholas had said was true and that, in fact, her husband had been murdered. She made a huge, she feels like she made a massive mistake sending him away and that she absolutely must investigate her husband's murder, that she owes him that much. I think she feels bad that she doesn't miss him as much as that it was kind of a relief a release when he passed, Mm. that she was kind of free of it because they always knew it was coming and that she was kind of free and done with it. So she goes after Nicholas. She goes to see him to ask him to pick up the investigation and to be hired by her and to work with her to look into it. Initially, he says no, but she's like, fine, I'll just look into it by myself then. And he's like, ugh, you're incompetent. I will do it. Don't muddle about. I will write a report and send it to you in a couple of days or whatever. So she's just busying herself with working out what her next steps are and looking after her household and also looking after the heir to obviously so all of her husband's entailed, you know, House, property, house, property etc. She, he left her all of his money, so he it was quite a substantial amount of money. He was a really shrewd investor that and didn't spend very much. So she has like this massive amount of money to see her for the rest of her life without any troubles. But the entailed stuff went to the next heir, which was his cousin Simon, who is obviously related to him by blood and therefore also shares the heart ailment problem. Sickness. And so he is very close to death. And so he's come to live with her at Grey House so that she can nurse him and, and be with him as family. They're close and she loves him and that kind of stuff. So she wants to spend that t- as much time with him as possible until he passes. But he's not long for this world. So he's living with her. Don't make old bones. Don't make old bones. And basically that's it. So he, she and Nicholas start investigating. They're basically investigating whether or not it is a murder because they're not even sure at this point. Nicholas feels like it was. They've got the threatening letters, but is that enough to say that it's murder? The doctor who attended him, Dr. Griggs, is like her family doctor and has been his family's doctor. He's a very prestigious London doctor, and he swears black and blue that it is natural causes. So basically, yeah, that's kind of it. They investigate whether it is a mystery whether or not. Whether it is a mystery or not. The end. Lots of other things happen. Lots of other things happen. If you're like, God, what a boring book. That's not a lot happened. There's a lot of other things that happen, but obviously that would be me telling you the whole plot. What do you think of the first Julia Gray novel, Amy, Silent in the Grave? I think the word that you used before, beige, sort of sums up Mm. how I felt. Because So I read this because I was looking for historical fiction, mystery, female protagonist, and it said this is like – Deanna Rayborn's Lady Julia Gray series is just like a classic. You have to read it if you like romance and mystery and all yeah. these things. I was like, all right, I'll give it a red hot go. And See, I think t- labelling it a romance is a stretch. I Well, that's what I thought I was going to read. Mm-hmm. And I was faced with a sort of beige lady. I really liked her sister. I liked the family. Me the too. The family for me were actually the best part of the novel. I liked her dad. Um, 
the dad was great. Portia was just killer. But I didn't like Nicholas Brisbane. I and I will tell you, Nicholas I read Brisbane. three more of these novels. Right, that was going to be my next question because I was almost going to read another one to up. find out. Yes. No, it's the same. Okay. It's pretty much like we've got a connection. It we've felt like we've got a connection. It felt so. That's a reference to the 1987 production of Beauty and the Beast, starring Ron Perlman as the Beast and the chick from Terminator, Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. It's that's not, not her, her real, real name. name. I want to say Kath. Kathleen something. Kathleen something. Kathleen something. Anyway, but yeah, and she's like an attorney and he's a beast living below the streets of New York. It's, if you've never watched it, YouTube it. I'm sure it's on YouTube because it's now getting like that old and ridiculous. It is not aged well. They have a connection. It's hilarious. I absolutely love it. But they spend this whole season like having a connection. connection. We have a connection. And then. Oh, Catherine is her name in the actual show. Right, so Sarah Connor. Catherine. And then nothing sort of manifests and you're meant to as an audience. And I sort of speaking about both here feel like there's this deep connection between these two characters. And I was just like annoyed with Nicholas Brisbane for most of it. But then she's like, he's not a nice person. No, he's actually, and he's all like broody and melancholy, but he just comes across as a jerk. Yes. And yet there's meant to be this romantic tension. So I didn't feel any of the romantic tension. And I thought that if you stripped away the March family. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I couldn't have got through it, I don't think. This would have been an incredibly tedious book. Yeah. The March family are what And there's not enough through. of them. It's not. There's not enough of them in it. It's Portia pushed me through the multiple books that I read. Right. And also wondering whether Nicholas got any better. And I still didn't like him at the end of it. She. She's a bit. Uh, she sort of grows, but she's I had problems with her. Still not as interesting as like she was nice. She was a nice person. Oh yes, and she was, she was ignorant and sheltered. But that's being a woman not, of her class at the yeah, time. Like unlikable. that was historically accurate. Yeah, but she just didn't feel like there was quite enough for her to be the center. You're right. Of a quite long story. So, she feels so, like a support character. She feels like who's thrust into the sort of limelight and you're like, eh, it's book three. Nah. And Gracie, it's book three. So beige. beige. And I don't think I will reread them even though I bought the omnibus. You did buy the omnibus. And I did find the fourth book, which is set in India. Oh. Um, what, sh- what is this genre? What is this what genre? Is the genre? What am I reading? Yeah, it's fair. So I don't. You would I not would. recommend it? No, not really. It just is like, eh, I read it. Yeah. There's much better of this. There's much better. Yeah, there's Absolutely. Much better. I would be more likely, honestly, to reread the next, well, I have read it, but reread the next in the Hell's Bells Sarah McLean series. Yep. With the romance. There's a lot of romance. Got in the way of the mystery. We wanted less romance, more mystery. This had, like, <laughs> mystery and no romance, and the people were sort of unlikable and... Yeah. Yeah. So, your thoughts. You had a lot to think. So, you were like, I don't want to read this because I hated Veronica Speedwell. This is by the same author. This is an earlier series, though. I read Veronica Speedwell because you said, you like Veronica Speedwell. She's really outspoken. And I hated it with a fire to fuel. I think it's the one that you've hated the most of all of the things we've read. Oh, I don't know. That stupid, that one. I was so deeply offended by that 
American football one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was okay, that was, like... that was pretty bad. But this was up there. This was – the Veronica Speedwell was totally up there. So I read Veronica Speedwell. I hated it so fiercely that I had to rant in the podcast about it. And then you were like, well, try this other one by her. And I got two chapters in and I was like, no, I hate both of them. I'm not doing this again. I've wasted too much of my life on Deanna Rayburn and I – I shelved it. I was like, absolutely not. One year later. One year later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a read. Mostly because I was ahead in our podcast read. And no, you just forgot to read one of the books. <laughs> no, no. I was supposed to read something else and I didn't want to. So I read this because I was like, I know that you've already read this. So we could like align our podcastiness. Yes. So it was a logistics decision. But I did, I went into it expecting to hate it with the same level of fire that I hated Veronica Speedwell. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to dislike it. But it's kind of exactly what you're saying. It was actually just really beige. So there were bits about it. Like I absolutely, I wouldn't say that I liked it, but because I was coming at it from a position of hatred. I was like, oh, it's not so bad. Do you know what I mean? It's like eating something that you expected to give you horrendous gastric upset for days, and instead it just wasn't very like nice. The oyster. Tasting. The oyster yeah. was just sort of. The oyster just wasn't particularly mucus, great, but, but it, it didn't, didn't kill make me. you unwell. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of how I feel about this book. Things that I liked about it. The mystery when you finally get to the very end and the mystery unravels itself in three chapters. It was actually interesting. I thought it was an actually interesting mystery. And when the when they actually engage with solving that mystery, which happens far too late in the book. Rather than weird beige connection tension. Yep. When they actually just do that, it was actually, I really enjoyed it. It was good. So that part of it, I liked. I liked the backstory about the husband. I liked unraveling all the people. At the same point, they do this really, she does this really nice thing at the very end where Lady Julia has worked out who it is mm. and doesn't tell us who it is and is like, oh my goodness, I should have known. I had all the pieces. I liked that it was told in a first person, very past tense, like the whole thing had happened almost like a memoir. Like mm. it, she had the, the narrator, although it was her, had the benefit of a lot of hindsight in the way that it was written, yeah. which I enjoyed. And in the moment where she worked out who it was, I worked out who it was. But then the whole next of, next part of the scene, like the whole over half of the next chapter, more than half of the next chapter, this conversation happens where they don't use any names and it could be any number of characters. And I really liked it. I felt like it was obvious who it was, but I thought that moment I was like, that's clever. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that kind of moment. Yeah, I doubted myself when I got yeah, started. Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, You're like, maybe, oh, maybe is not. Maybe who I think it is. Yeah. yeah, so that was really fun. I liked that. I also thought Brisbane was – so, okay, that's it. That's it. I'm done. Oh, I liked the supporting characters. I liked her servant, her household Her household was sweet. were interesting and I really liked them and I really liked her family. You made a note about everyone making a big deal about how she was so amazingly So these are the things I didn't enjoy about it. I can't stand inconsistent characterization. So one of the things that was inconsistent for me was him. He just ran hot and cold, but yes. in a really fierce kind of like, I feel like Sorry, something's that going. that fart sound is just me sitting on the chair. <laughs> I think he was, you know, sometimes he was like, I'm so protective of you that, you know, obviously maybe I'm, I don't know. She did never once said that she, like, she found him kind of attractive, but was in a very like, no, no, not for me kind of way. So I always get 
taken aback by romance when we are in first person narrative and you've never once mentioned that you thought like you know what do you know what I yeah, mean? Like I know you mean that's why I was when like you're with beige someone you're attracted to. Beige non romantic yes. tension. Yeah. Anyway, so it was weird. And even when he even when he gets like when it kind of gets a little bit realized and there's a moment where I'm like, oh right, so that it confirms that it is actually a romance between the two of them. Even that moment was never like it literally just says something like and then he grabbed and embraced her and i was like is this a cuddle is it i was like what what happened it took quite a long time in the book for me to even work out that oh that was a kiss okay right so there was a strange kiss and a very strange very strange moment in terms of the plot but i was like fine okay he had this weird migraine thing for the first hold act that I was like, what is this about? This feels like the stupidest handbrake in the history of time. Did they tell time. you why it yes, happens Yes, you in find it? out yeah. in the first book why it happens. And I was like, not enough, too little, too Have late, Have you met friend. the gypsy magic? Yes, we met gypsy. There's gypsy magic, which I was like, okay. I can't remember if that was in the second book. No, it well, it must, be, yeah. it must be in all of them. Gypsy but it was, magic. There was gypsy ma- magic in the first book, and I was like, okay, fair enough. The biggest, one of the big problems I had with it so he is like enigmatic and a genius, and everyone's like, "Oh my so god, so irritating!" Amazing. You can't write a likable character with those. Like, who even likes Sherlock Holmes? Nobody likes Sherlock Holmes. That's why Sherlock Holmes is not a romantic figure. Anyway, so he's like, "Meh, meh, meh," etc., etc. He is one of those one of those amazing genius characters who would only like the person he would choose to be with, the person who could make him love, would be so, so special. And so a lot of characters who meet her that he's like, oh, come and meet Julia Gray. She's I'm working with her on this thing. Rah, rah, rah. And so they'd be like, wow, you're as smart as he says you are. Or like so as though he has really talked yeah. her up, right, about how intelligent and, and intuitive and, you know, and even he says to her, he's like, you're smarter than that or you're, I would never expect that of you. You're so clever. Okay. I've read the whole book. I'm not, not kidding. Not a lot of evidence of there, it. No, no. There is not one single piece of identifiable evidence where she shows even beyond, like, I would even say average levels of intuition or cleverness. She's real dumb. Like, and, and I but She's not real dumb. She's just average. Oh, okay. It's just beige. I guess she's just beige. I guess let's call her to- – she's just totally average for the time too. Do you know what I mean? Like women were deliberately uneducated. They and were she, deliberately – she chooses kept, not to be she, a march, a mad march. And she and... chooses not to ask questions or, you know, delve into things that are inappropriate or lack propriety or whatever. So she is a, doing the right thing. She is a good girl for the time in which she is born. But what that means is she's not particularly intuitive. She's not particularly clever. And people need to stop saying in the book that she is because I feel like you're not. And it really irritated me. I don't know why that annoys me so much. Probably says something about me as a person. I don't want that analyzed by anyone. Inconsistency. I don't like inconsistency of character. I don't like the idea that you can say something dramatically and therefore drama has been created. Actually, it hasn't. So I wrote this down as a note. I wrote a quote. You always have to be careful. Like you have to. It's bad when I'm writing quotes. I wrote. I read this line and immediately wrote it down. We are bonded now, closer than lovers, until this thing is done. At this point in the novel, at the point in the novel where this has happened, we're like two-thirds of the way through, but at the point where this has happened, they have found one note 
one vandalized book in her home. The end. Zero proof. Exactly zero proof so that my, he was murdered at all. So my analysis of that is what it, that's they just keep saying they have a connection without actually building connection. Yeah. You can't just say a character has traits. This is this is why it annoys me. Right, I've worked it out. You cannot just state why a character has traits or is a character and have it be true. So you don't just get to be like, wow, she's so enigmatic without ever demonstrating one single iota of enigmatic behavior. She's so smart and intuitive, but never having her demonstrate a single piece of cleverness or intuition. You can't just state things about characters and, and then at the end of your think book... think about it because it's happened behind closed doors. Exa- well, not it even just that. happened off, like, sea, off stage. Be like, oh my God, she makes such great characters. No, she doesn't. She just states a bunch of things and then writes a bunch of other things and we're supposed to just assume everything the author writes down is the truth. So... Not a recommend from you. Not a recommend from me. The other thing that super annoyed me about, and that's, I was like, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. Maybe it gets better, which is why I was going to ask you about does it get better? Because oh, once they solve the problem where she knows same. all of his secrets and has gotten over the part of being like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? Am I? Am I not? And just accepts that she's a march and just embraces her crazy family heritage and just like decides to be free. I thought once that happened, maybe I could see the setup being for quite an interesting, like, because he's a little private eye and she, they could have a really nice kind of partnership. Eh. But it's not obviously that's not how it goes because they're both cardboard cutouts of human beings with, like, just personality traits labelled on their faces. That irritated me a lot. And the other thing that annoyed me was, which is also why the cardboard cutout, you're so smart, on her forehead drove me nuts. Every single time she found the tiniest little clue, she would go running to him. Every time. Oh, I found this book now. Oh, I've had a th- I've had a random thought in the night. But Kimberly, that's the connection. Is that the connection? Because it just connection. felt like codependency. No, it's the connection. Oh my gosh, I was so irritated. I was like, dude, just go ask some questions. Go and have a bit of a think for a minute. You're the one who knew him the best. You want to investigate? You go and ask some questions. Nicholas Brisbane is not the boss of you, but he was because of the connection. Connection. Anyway, and then he was indisposed for the first act of the entire book with these migraines, which get explained by gypsy magic. And I was just like, I was like, why are you waiting for him? So many, if I had a dollar for every time this book said, and so I just waited for a week and did household duties, I would have many dollars. Anyway. Very frustrated. I did not enjoy this book. But my memory of it, I'll need to go back and listen to this episode of the podcast to remind myself, which is why doing this sometimes your memory is so helpful, of it is, is you liked quite it. positive you liked because I was expecting dysentery and all I got was a weird tasting piece of seafood. And so... And you liked the mystery. And the mystery at the end was actually really satisfying. And interesting. It was almost too interesting for her. Almost like everything interesting about the book was written into this tiny little ending and everything else, there was just not enough interesting left to go around. Anyway, Julia Gray is boring. Nicholas Brisbane is a jerk. The end. And on that note... I wouldn't recommend it. Trash. It's trash. Yeah. I won't be reading the other ones, even though you are an omnibus of them. You don't even have to go and search for them. Exactly. At any rate, I'm glad you've read them, though, because I think I would have done what you did. 
because I feel like the pieces are there and it tricked me with it a could decent have been, ending. Yeah, and I was like, well, they're just there. I'll keep on. reading and see if something happens. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you very much for spending your time with us. That is a hearty disrecommend from both of us. But join us again next week. We'll bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for not. whatever we read. And until then, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.